In prayer time today, we prayed for rain uh, because the morning news, they even asked for churches. The broadcasters asked, if you're going to church this morning, would you pray for rain? So not only did we pray for the physical rain, but we also prayed for a spiritual rain, a pour out, that the body of Christ would never be the same. In fact, it is so dry out there that the Catholic Church this week even started praying that Jesus would turn the wine back into water. So I just want you to know, think about that one. So, But I am uh, looking forward to sharing uh, the message today. As you know, last week we started a little series on real followers. And so many times in in our lives, we want everything that we read in the Word of God. We want to encounter, we want to experience it. But we're not experiencing it. And it really goes back to me, that scripture says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And when we truly seek God, when we truly follow the role that He has called us to be, we experience peace like we've never experienced before. We experience the hope, the joy that passes all understanding. Peace that not the world gives, but only that He can give us. So it's been really important that we look at what real followers, followers of Christ are like. Today's message is that real followers will sacrifice everything. In fact, starting off, I have a little story for you that two nuns were driving through the countryside and, and their car broke down, ran out of gas. So they went from farmhouse to farmhouse looking for gasoline. Finally, one farmer goes, well, I've got some gasoline, but I don't have a gas can. And they said, is there anything we can use? He goes, well, I have a bedpan. So they filled the bedpan with gasoline, and they're back to their car, and they're pouring the bedpan into their gas tank, and a guy drives by and says, sisters, I just want you to know, I'm not Catholic, but I really admire your faith, okay? (laughs) What happens is this, though. People are seeing the church, and seeing the church going through actions but not seeing any relevance to life. They're not seeing a difference in the divorce rate between the church and in the real world. They're not seeing any difference in our lives. Unfortunately, they're seeing the church freak out when the world freaks out. And this is the time when we should be out there proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. This is when we should be out preaching peace and and hope through Christ, not wringing our hands thinking, what are we going to do? Today, we also, in our prayer time, we prayed for this nation and our debt situation. But God is still our source. God is our strength. And we prayed for those that are making decisions that they would make godly decisions. But what's happening is the people are not seeing anything in the church that has to deal with reality. People are looking for authentic Christianity. I truly believe that, that people are looking for authentic Christianity. They want somebody to go to when their world is falling apart. They may not want to hear your message when life is going good for them, but when they get the pink slip, when they get the call from the hospital that a loved one has been uh, admitted, when, when their financial world crumbles, all of a sudden they want somebody to go to. And they start looking around thinking, who is somebody that really knows Christ? And man, I hope that every one of you is the person that pops into their mind. Because I'll tell you what, as you go through, this is a really interesting thing. When you go praying, you might say, well, I don't know what to pray, so I don't really go and and walk or spend time with Christ in, in just prayer. If you have your cell phone and you start just going through your contact list, why don't you just start praying for everybody in your contact list? If they're important enough to be in your contact list, they probably should be important enough for you to be praying for them. 
Right? And you know what? The Holy Spirit may have you praying for people that you would have never thought about. I haven't talked to that guy in eight years. Well, guess what? He's still in your contact list for a reason. And why don't we pray for him today? Because we don't know what they're going through. But God allowed you to get to know them. I don't know everybody in your phone contact list. Do you know that? But you do. You can make a phone call and talk to them instantly. I'd probably have to leave a voicemail message. Because they're like, I don't know this guy. But people are looking for authentic Christianity and they want to be challenged. When the church starts to realize that we understand, we can become authentic. And when we become authentic and people see that, we truly become the hands and feet of Christ. What I see is churches have established themselves, they've established their own little kingdoms, and anyone who wants to come over to them that they will or will not accept... But we're, the church is not really out in society today, making a difference in the world. Christ never told us to build our own little kingdom here. We're serving Christ's kingdom. I'm a part of God's kingdom. I am a worker for Christ. I am a servant, as Paul said. But people are looking for authentic Christianity. So it really comes down to a question, and I've always thought this, and it probably might make Paul's book one day, I don't know, But to be a good leader, you have to learn how to be a good follower. Okay? See, what happens is when people are put into leadership and they've never learned how to follow, management goes sideways because they've never encountered or experienced what they're going through. Do you understand? Sometimes some of the best generals have been really good privates and sergeants and lieutenants who have worked their way up through the system and they know day-to-day what's going on within the troops. But we all want to lead, but none of us really like the following part. You know, that, that word's just not really popular today, Pastor Mark. And the church needs to demonstrate its worth by calling the people to become real followers of Christ. Several years ago, the group U2, um, not YouTube, U2, uh, had a song, In the Name of Love. And that song truly was about Jesus. If you look through... Twitter and Internet and all of the cases, you'll find that Hollywood is truly searching for something authentic. And they're truly searching for something bigger than they are. That's why their lives are so messed up. Because alcohol, drugs, popularity, fame, everything is not satisfying them and they know that there's something bigger out there. But is the church answering that call? If that church is not answering the call, it's because we are not following Christ. And I want to take you through a passage today. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to talk about two guys that um, learned how to follow Christ. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 18 through 22. And it says, As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew. And they were throwing a net into the sea because they were fishermen. So we're told what their names are and what their profession is. And Jesus said to them, Come and follow me and I will teach you how to catch people instead of fish. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. As Jesus went on, he saw two other brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets to go fishing. And he called them. 
and they immediately left their boat and their father and followed Jesus. Now that's a great little passage. You know what? There were so many questions that popped into my mind. Why did, not, why did Jesus not call the Father? He was in the boat right there, right? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Well, I'd like a little bit more experienced followers. Also, when all of these fishermen left to follow Christ, it never said, and by the way, they returned back and grabbed their fishing gear in case there was ever a lack or need. It doesn't say that. Now, a fisherman makes his living by, this is not a trick question, fishing. Yes, thanks, Rob. I appreciate that. So if you're just saying, you know, it's like if I go to, to your world and I said to him, you know, you're going to be a doctor one day, right? Sarah, Dr. Sarah, I just want you to leave all this and come follow me. There's going to be some questions going on in your head. There's school loans here. I'm a doctor. Uh, I got patients. My mom. You know, I, I know everything going through your head right now, okay? That, that's the checklist right there. And when God says, Doug, I want you to leave that computer and follow me, Doug's like, okay, well, let me shut down. Let me shut down the network. By the way, can I bring my, my, uh, my phone and my netbook just in case? You know, Jesus, I don't mean to ask, but are we going to be Wi-Fi accessible at any time? You know, I've got to stay a little connected. Did you see any of that in this passage? That's what I'm saying. When you put yourself in the passage and you're saying, what if I were in that boat? And all of a sudden Jesus said, come follow me. And you're like, who are you? There had to be something amazing about the presence of Jesus that would cause a computer program to just to say, I'm done. To have a doctor say, you know what, I'm going to give up everything and follow. You see, but when Jesus asks us to follow him, all of a sudden it may be missions that he's calling you to. Doug, it may be that your programming will affect millions of people now for the gospel of Christ. But when he's calling these people out, there weren't a lot of questions they said and they followed him. In fact, what was truly amazing is it said, and they immediately left their boat and their father. This was a family business. You know what I mean? Like I'm depending upon you guys to feed the family and all of a sudden... Two-thirds of my workforce just left the boat. That's kind of mutiny, in other words, wouldn't it be? I mean, all of a sudden, if you're, you and your other sibling were the whole workforce for the family, and all of a sudden Jesus says, hey, come follow me. You see, we have to understand that when Christ calls us, He is also going to provide for us. I have a little story about a man who was having trouble with his leg. So he went to the doctor, and he had his leg checked out. And the doctor said, well, I've got some news for you. I said, you've, you've got gout. And he said, well, what do I do about this? He said, well, I need you to um, give up drinking. I need you to give up smoking. And I need you to eat healthy. And uh, you'll walk well. So he goes home and he says to his wife, and his wife says, what did the doctor say? And he said, well, he said, I have gout. And she said, well, what did he tell you? And he goes, to learn to walk with a limp. The reason being is, Christ gives us ways. The great physician gives us ways, and we're not willing to let go of some of the things we're willing to let go of. In that little story, the smoking and the drinking were more important than the limp. And some of us hold on to some things 
that we're okay holding on to when God says, I got something better for you. I got breakthrough ready for you when you are willing to release these little things that you're wanting to hold on to. And we're, we're not ready to hold on to it yet. Oh yes, there might have been a moving song and, 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 and what we did is we, we, we transferred this one thing over here so we could hold it and raise our hand. But we we're still holding it. And then all of a sudden we got, this hand got tired so we, we held it over here we did this. This is not what God is looking for in our lives. God is asking us to put whatever is holding down and to totally surrender our lives to Him. Because this is the position of victory. Do you understand this? That is the only way that we are going to see breakthrough. I have three real quick points that I want to talk to you about following Christ and giving up what He asks us to give up. My first point is that true followers will give up whatever Jesus asks. And Jesus is asking us to give up some things. Things that we're holding on with both hands. Things that control us. Do you realize that some of the things that you're holding on to control you? If there is something that you do more on the internet than anything else, it is controlling you. Now, there are those that have work and, and you are hired to do so. I'm talking your free time. When you have a choice, whatever you are feeding, in a way, will control you if it dominates that time. You know, if you're staying up all night long on Facebook, Facebook may be an addiction. Is Facebook bad? No. But if it is consuming multiple hours of your evening, remember there used to be times when we had things called, oh, what was it called? Conversation. You know, last week we got everybody around the table and just started playing a game around the table because we hadn't done that for so long. And man, after a while, people were laughing and some of them were cheating and all that. No, I'm just kidding. But you know what? We had a great time and there was nothing plugged in. We did not need anything to, to stimulate us because we had fun just enjoying each other. And we've kind of gotten away from that and we love to surround ourselves with what we're holding on to. You see, what was interesting about that text that I just read you is that those men did not respond back to Jesus, I'd rather be fishing. Have you seen that bumper sticker? There's bumper stickers out there that said, I'd rather be fishing. I'd rather be golfing. I'd rather be doing something other than, I guess, driving the car right then. You see, that would have been a really good response. You walk up to fishermen and ask them to stop their way of living, chances are their response would be, I'd rather be fishing. Because it's something that they enjoy doing. See, it's important that we understand that there are times when... God will ask us to give up something very powerful in our lives. Mark 10.21 tells us about the rich young ruler who comes and says, What do I need to be saved? And he says, Well, follow all the commands. He goes, I do that. Honor your father and mother. I do that. And then we come to verse 21. And this is where Jesus nailed the rich young ruler. He says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And before we get to the other part of that passage, would you just look at that? Jesus looked at him and what? Have you ever been able just to look at somebody and love somebody? Amen. What would that look be like? I mean, think. Let's let's take a look at this scripture. That you would look with such compassion at somebody that they know that they are loved just by the way. There was no words, no flowers, no gifts, nothing. And it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Maybe the church needs to start looking and loving people. 
and stop looking and judging people. Instead of looking and being prejudiced. Instead of looking and being um, controlling. Instead of looking and being unforgiving. Instead of looking and, and having words. Uh, what does it say? A, a picture is a thousand words. Kristen said, I am very easy to read because she knows my face. She, I really am. I mean... I am very easy to read. That's why I don't play poker. A, it's too complicated. B, it's too complicated. C, it's too complicated. And D, I'd be really bad at it because people, I'd be like, my turn, come on. And they're like, we're folding, you know what I mean? They would know what I had. I'm not a good bluffer. Jesus looked at him and loved him and he told him, you're still missing one thing. One thing. Man, you're following all the rules. You're honoring your father and mother. You know what? On the outside, everyone at Lake House Church thinks you're an all right person. Remember, God looks on the inward. Man looks on the outward. He says, you are missing one thing. Sell everything you have. Boy, that would be a real popular passage to be preached here, wouldn't it? Rob, I'll have you preach that next time, okay? Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. In fact, we'll invite all the poor here that day, okay? So there will just be an easy transfer of wealth. How many of y'all are going to be sick that day, huh? Okay. And then you will have treasure in heaven. Then follow me. And when the man heard that, he looked unhappy. And he went away sad because he owned a lot. No, no, no. You know what? His property owned him. Okay? Let's call it the way we see it, right? He thought, hey, I'm following all your rules. And he said, you know what? But something's got your heart. And if you get that thing, if you get rid of that thing that's controlling your heart, then you can follow me. Because then God will be number one in your heart. It won't be that thing. And that thing to him was money. Power. Look at all that I own. You know, when Ross Perot was running for president, you know, the number one thing whenever you saw Ross Perot was wealth, right? I mean, when you see Warren Buffett, you think wealth. These people, Bill Gates, are known for being wealthy. So when you see that person, when you get to meet that person, when you shake their hand, you know what's running through your... I just shook Bill Gates' hand. This guy's got billions of money. I wonder how much he's got on him right now. I wonder, you know what I mean? All these things will be running through you because you are preoccupied with his wealth. And Jesus saw this right away in this rich young ruler. What is holding on? Because the question determines what kind of relationship you and I are going to have with Jesus Christ. Some of you may say, you know what, Pastor Mark, this has nothing to do with me because I've been saved. I've served Christ for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. More. And this doesn't apply to me. And I beg to differ. Maybe you've just become comfortable holding something. Okay? Last week we talked about how real followers are honest with Christ. We talked about how deception comes in. And there is a way that you can tell a lie so much in your life that you start believing it as truth. There are people that will lie on their resumes and then act surprised when they check the resources that you really didn't graduate from Harvard. You didn't create the Internet. There's going to be surprise. Really, I didn't create the Internet? But if you say something enough, you start to believe it. 
Lies are deceptive tools of the enemy. Lies will destroy your life. And if you say, I don't have a problem with unforgiveness. I don't have a problem with envy. I don't have a problem with prejudices. And maybe the prejudice isn't black and white. Maybe it's prejudice within the church. Oh, those are charismatic holy rollers and we know where they're going to be in heaven. Really? You know that? Oh, it's just a saying. Oh, but the, this denomination is so dry. Really? Is that, is that what you know? Do you see how prejudice even gets into our lives? Because I can name denominations and each one of you might have a thought about that denomination that I just mentioned. That's prejudice. I knew I wouldn't get a lot of amens on this one. But it's, it's evaluating ourselves. To say, God, if there is anything that I'm holding on to, if there is anyone that I'm holding on to, if there's a thing that I'm holding on to more than you, Amen. Come on. Itself, reveal it to me. Amen. Help me get rid of it. You have probably been holding it on for so long, it's just a part of you that you think you can't get rid of. All things are possible. Amen. Today can be a day of deliverance. Amen. Today can be the day of a beginning of a new chapter in your life. Because when you get rid of the junk of this world, that's when God has room to pour into you everything He's wanted to pour into you. And aren't you tired of reading about the things in the Bible and not experiencing them? Man, I'm frustrated when I see, God, you moved mightily in the the hearts of people. Why are we not seeing this today? And God spoke to me because their hearts are not after me. I'm not talking about this group of believers. I'm talking about the body of Christ in America today. We are in so much paganism and idol worship of everything that this world has to offer. And it grieves God's heart. But there's a shaking that's going to come that's going to bring us back to the heart of God. And it's about time that we do a self-evaluation of what God is asking us to give up. Whether it's an emotional or whether it's a physical thing whether it's an attitude. I want to tell you, John Henry Jowett wrote this, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. I just want you to think about that. Even apply that to other parts of your life, relationship, work, whatever the case, something that costs nothing really accomplishes nothing. And we've gotten into this Cruise control religion where it's just like, man, we could just do this with our eyes shut. Every week we could show up and be blessed, hear a good word, fold a few chairs and go home thinking, woo, I did my dues. And God is not satisfied with just that. It's the, the Mondays and the Tuesdays and the Wednesdays and the Thursdays and the Fridays and even your precious Saturday. Oh, but that's my day off. It's your Saturday that He wants too. And maybe that's what He's asking us, to, to, to step out of our comfort zone. Maybe we have to start studying the Word of God more. Maybe we might even start praying about fasting. Maybe we might even have to start inviting some people to church. Maybe we might need to go into their world and be a blessing to them. You see, that's when the church starts functioning as the church. When we start thinking about others other than ourselves. That's really, that is Christianity. 
when you pray more for the needs of people around you than your personal needs. Man, you want to have a great prayer meeting? Just go over every need, every bill, bring every problem that you have, put it on your kitchen table. You can wail over that. You can pour oil on it, make a salad dressing, whatever you want to do, okay? And you know what? How about effective that's going to be? About as flat as one of my pancakes. I'm not going to tell you about that, okay? I'm not the best pancake maker. But if you started collecting all the needs around you and saying, how can I... Remember the cell phone thing? I'm just starting to go through praying for everyone on my cell phone. All of a sudden, the fervent, righteous prayers will start availing much. That's what the Word of God said. Because we have a self-consuming religion. How do I feel? Did the music make me feel like I was going to worship? Was that message really geared to me? I don't like that passage. I don't like that translation. Was the air on? The lighting's good. What are we having for dinner? And what God really wants us is just to say, God, would you make me a difference everywhere you place me? Whether it's on that college campus, whether it's in my workplace, whether it's my neighborhood, whether it's my bedroom, whether it's the living room, whether it's at a store, everywhere you go, would you ask that God would make you a difference? You want to be a powerful follower of Christ? Then start reaching out to other people and getting involved in their world instead of trying to get them involved in yours. See, the world has problems. They don't really want to hear ours. Mm -hmm. Guess what? We're the solution. You see, some Christians... This is, I heard this this week and it was so powerful because it's been running around in my mind. Some people think that once they receive Christ, that their Christian walk will be a cruise ship relationship. All the buffets you want, cruise, dining, having fun. And they said, truly, your walk as a Christian is a warship. A warship because we are doing spiritual battle. But you know what happens if you put a bunch of soldiers on a warship and tell them they're on a cruise ship? They're going to be defeated. Why? Because they're not trained in battle. They're not trained how to operate those guns. They're not trained how to, to combat. They're, they're having a love boat experience and they're getting bombarded on. Well, I thought this was a cruise. This is not carnival. This is the USS Washington. Do you see that? That we have a lot of Christians wanting a lounge chair on a warship. And the Word of God says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers of darkness. Man, we have authority in the name of Jesus to pull down strongholds. When you walk into a room and you start declaring the name of Jesus, you've just stirred something up spiritually. One day you will see the power of your prayers when you're in heaven. At that point, though, you won't need faith. Okay, But you will see the power of Jesus in a situation. Walking in and declaring. I'm going to tell you, you don't hear a lot anymore about binding binding in the name of Jesus. And loosening in the name of Jesus. But those are principles of the kingdom of God. We just don't really teach on that much anymore. It's not popular anymore, Pastor Mark. But I'll tell you what, some of our lives need some binding because there are spiritual oppression going on in our lives. And there needs to be some loosening through the Holy Spirit in our lives so we can experience the freedom. I don't know if you sensed it, but man, during the second song today, God was in the house. Things changed this morning for somebody. 
Because I sensed that God not only was in the house, but God was doing something in a heart. I almost got up and just stopped it and said, somebody is about to experience something that they've been seeking God for. And if you know who you are, then you know you've experienced it. But it is in the presence of God that things are going to change. Being a real follower is going to cost you something. You see, I don't preach a cheap salvation because the cost that was paid was not cheap. It was free, but it was not cheap. And we have a tendency to preach a cheap salvation. Just say these few words, then go back and do whatever you want to do and everything will be fine. Being a real follower might cost us our time. Being a real follower may cost us our money. Real followers may cost us a relationship that we've been holding on to. Or an addiction. You may say to me, Pastor Mark, what am I supposed to sacrifice? Well, you have to look to Jesus to find that answer. You see, these followers saw something in the real Jesus and gave up everything to follow Him. Gave up everything to follow Him. Even later, one of the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, we gave up everything to follow You. Do we really realize that passage? We gave up everything. Bill, I want you to move to South Carolina. You'll see God there. That would be real faith to lose everything that you have here, everything that he has in position, everything, and move to a place that he doesn't know anyone because God asked him to do that. Isn't that what these men really did? They gave up everything to follow Christ. Number two, true followers are completely dependent on Jesus. I have, as I am getting older, I am learning to depend on Him more and more and more and more. God is my source, not man. God is my strength, not man. God is my healer. God is my, my peace. If we want to have a real life the best way we possibly can, we need to be con- to- totally, completely sold out to God. Psalm 62.7 says, My salvation and my glory depend on God. God is the rock of my strength and my refuge. See, God's not interested in what I can do on my own. God is interested in what He can do through me when I've surrendered myself completely to Him. Do you understand that? God is not interested in what you can do on your own. God, I walked around the pulpit. Aren't you really proud of me? No. You probably wouldn't even be that impressed. But when God empowers you and you are doing things that He's asking you to do, I think we make God proud. There's a book called Real Followers by Mike Slaughter. And he says that Jesus spoke to everyone, but people fell into three categories. The curious, the convinced, and the committed. I'm going to ask you, which one do you fall into one of these three? The curious, when I was reading about the characteristics of the curious, it reminded me of a story of Nahum in 2 Kings 5, and I wanted to put this passage in here. Because to me, this was a true example of somebody who was just curious. Nahum is a very powerful uh, military officer, and he gets leprosy. And in that day and time, leprosy was pretty much a death sentence. You were going to lose everything, your position, your family, you were going to be outcasted. And he hears about a prophet who can heal him. Starting in verse 11, we're going to go through 11 through 14. 
This is what 2 Kings 5.11 says. But Nahum became angry and left. And he said, I thought he at least would come out of his house and stand somewhere and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the infected place and heal the skin disease. The Abana and the Farfar rivers in Damascus have better water to wash than any of these rivers in Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned around and he left in anger. But Nahum's servants went to him and said, Master, the prophet had asked you to do something extraordinary act. Would you have done it? Why should you do as he has said? Wash and be clean. I think there's a lot of time between verse 13 and 14. And Nahum, so he went to dip himself in the Jordan River seven times. And as the man of God had instructed him, his skin became healthy again like a little child's skin. You see, many curious people seek God on their own terms and conditions. They expect certain things. And when a prophet of God told them to do something, that's not the way it's supposed to happen. That's not the way my marriage was supposed to be restored. That's not the way my children are supposed to come back. That's not the way that I want to have financial independence. That's not the plan for my life, God. Have we not all been there and said something like that to God in some form or fashion? When he's saying, do this, do this, do this, and experiencing me, we're giving him our conditions. We're telling him the way that really would be more effective. Our timeline, our ways. The convinced to me is the second group. The first were curious. They just want to know more about God, but they're really not sure what to expect. The convinced are really to me like a bunch of roadies at a rock concert. Okay? Every night, different towns, setting up, tearing down, setting up, tearing down. And there are people that we probably even know in the body of Christ that are constantly going here and there and there and there just to experience a little bit of God. Man, did you hear that there's a great revival service going up in Missouri? Vroom, they're already up there. And they want to experience God. And then it's Pensacola, then it's Orlando, then it's here, and then it's Washington. Or wherever they just hear a special speaker. And you know what? They're never committing to any work within that ministry. They're just wanting to experiencing it. Do you understand? And that's why you'll see some people in for your life for a period of time and then they're on to somebody else because you're not fulfilling their needs anymore. So not only are they doing this to God, they're doing this to you because when they get tired of you, they move on to something else. Those people are, are convinced that God is good. They're convinced that God can move. They're convinced that God can heal but they're not interested in making any commitment to any ministry or people or life or making a difference because it's all about them. Do you understand? You see, it's hard for me to witness to my neighbors when I'm out just seeking where the next move of God's going to be. All I'm wanting to do is more, more, more. I just need more. All that worship, it went all night long. I got there at 6 in the evening and I got up at 6 in the morning and they were still playing and the presence of God... What difference did you make in anybody else's life? Oh, but it was just heavenly. And I'm going to be here again tonight. And I'm going to be here the next night. There's nothing wrong with seeking God, but when that is your lifestyle, and it's all about consuming, and it's not about giving out, there is something wrong in the balance of your life. Then there are those that are committed. Jesus asked for us to commit and to sacrifice. People who give up all for the sake of a call. Our main text today, these disciples were beyond curious. 
and they were beyond convinced that Jesus was real. And they fell into the realm of the committed. The difference in lifestyle is apparent when the curious show up and leave and when Jesus asks for sacrifice and commitment. My third point is that true followers will go wherever Jesus leads. Do you realize how countercultural this idea is? If people would truly obey the call to follow wherever God wanted them to be, I'm going to tell you this. Our mission fields would be full. Our churches would be packed. Bible colleges would be overflowing. Hospitals would still remain under the care of the church. Because we've given all of those responsibilities that the church should do back to the government. You take care of our sick. You educate our children. You send financial aid to a country. That country didn't need financial aid. They needed spiritual leadership. But throwing money is so much better than throwing anything else at it. Wrong. It would be an ideally near-perfect world if the church truly fulfilled the function. We wouldn't need social security in this country. The church would be taking care of the widows and orphans. Matthew 7.21 tells us this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the person who does what my Father in heaven wants. This is a very deep passage. Because I think there's a lot of people that are going through life holding on to the baggage. They have a general knowledge of Christ. But they don't know Christ. Jesus said, it's not everyone who calls me Lord that's going to make it. So the hard questions may be tough, but they're essential. Does my life demonstrate the life of one who is sold out to Jesus? Am I willing to go wherever Jesus wants me to go? It might mean changing jobs. It might mean a change of lifestyle. It might mean more involvement in the community. It might mean more involvement in the church. It might mean giving something that is valuable to me. There's an old chorus that I used to love to sing. Sherry probably knows it. Several of y'all do. It goes, Where you lead me, I will follow. Where you lead me, I will follow. Where you lead me, I will follow. I'll say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. To your will. See, we don't sing those songs anymore because we don't like possibly the message. That's a little, wow, that's a little over the top, Lord, to say, wherever you want me to go. It's interesting. There was a book by S.I. McMillan. The title of this book was called None of These Diseases. And there was an interesting passage in this story I wanted to share with you. It tells of a young woman who wanted to go to college. So she gets the application, but her heart sank when she read on the questionnaire on the application. It said, Are you a leader? Being both honest and conscientious, she wrote, No. And returned the application, expecting the worst. And to her surprise, she received a letter from the college, and it said this, Dear applicant, A study of your application form reveals that this year our college will have 1,452 new leaders. 
We are accepting you because we feel that it's imperative that they have at least one follower. See, everybody wants to be a leader, but nobody wants to follow. And you know what? Jesus needs followers because we are the hands and feet. That neighbor of yours that aggravates you, you may be the only Jesus that they see. That boss, that manager who tries to purposely destroy you and your career and you know is not for you, you may be the only Jesus that they see. That child who has turned their back on God and turned their back on family, you may be the only Jesus that they're experiencing. And what they're looking for, as we talked about at the very beginning, is authentic Christianity. True followers of Christ. People who have sold out and said, God, whatever it takes, whatever you need me to do, being a follower of Christ is something that's going to require a decision and dedication. You may not have to go overseas. But you know what? Maybe you'll want to house one of the pays apprentices for a year in your home. Do you understand? Oh, but having somebody in my house for a year, that would interrupt my lifestyle. That's what this message was about. Interrupting your lifestyle so that you can experience more of Christ. Because as you continue your lifestyle, you're going to continue to get what you've gotten. It's when we radically sell out to Christ and say, you are everything and I am nothing and whatever you want me to do, God. I want to be a follower of Christ. You see, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. I want to ask you this morning, what category did you fall into? Were you the curious? Were you the convinced? Or the committed? See, only you can answer that question. I can't even answer that for my wife. I can't answer that for my kids. I definitely can't answer it for you. Because God knows your heart. See, you may be going through the actions, but your heart is far from Him. You may be convinced but you have doubts overall I believe mostly of what God's wanting to do but I just don't know about this this is where God can come into your heart and satisfy but it's going to come to a point where you have to have a come to Jesus moment Luke 5 8 tells us this and when Simon Peter saw this he knelt in front of Jesus and said leave me Lord for I am a sinful person Simon Peter was about to be called into the ministry and he realized that just the few minutes that he was around Christ I'm not worthy to be with him and you know what that's what Christ is looking for somebody who's honest enough to say Lord I'm not worthy to be in your presence and he goes there's a heart that I can work in right there so it's important that we have a come to Jesus moment in our lives And there may be something that we've been holding on for many, many years. Something that we've covered up. Something that is no longer... You know what's interesting in our house is when kids... When any of us have some dirty laundry, we haven't washed it, we'll put a blanket over it. Okay? Like that makes it better. Okay? Oh, it it looks better, but the dirty clothes are still under that pile. Just because you put a towel over it didn't magically wash those clothes. 
And how many of us have all these dirty clothes piled up and we put our little Christian cloth over it? You know, and it's got a nice little banner and a dove and a symbol and a cross. And we, and we put that over there and we don't talk about that pile over there of our dirty laundry. This is what this is about today is taking off that cloth and saying, let's deal with that dirty laundry. Let's wash it. Let's wash it in the blood of Christ. What can wash me? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So it's important. And I want to invite you to make that decision today. Whether you are here or listening to this message, today could be the day of deliverance. Today could be the day of breakthrough in your life. If you have been wanting more of God, then maybe today is the day of this message for you to hear. To say, Father, I want to be a follower of you and not a follower of man or a follower of myself. And if there's anything in my life that is hindering my growth in you, I surrender to you today. If there is anything in my life, God, that you want, I give it to you today. It's important that we understand. First, we acknowledge that we have sinned and we have fallen short. Then we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord. Then we're baptized in His name and we walk a new life committed to Him. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer and it's a prayer that we say every week. The reason why I say the same prayer is so that you learn this prayer because my prayer is that you will get to use this prayer with others. Have you ever thought, Lord, would you allow me the opportunity this week to share this prayer with someone else? Could I have the joy of leading someone else to Christ? That's going to disrupt your lifestyle right there. But would you repeat this with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. So if today is going to be a day of new beginnings, it might require some changes in our lifestyle. And it might require some changes in our Facebook statuses. And it might require some changes in our internet. And it might require some changes in our checkbook. And it might require some changes in our conversation. And it might require some changes in our habits. But that's what Christ is really looking for. Our followers who are willing to sacrifice. To experience the true peace and hope and joy and love that He has to give us. I'd like to say a blessing to you as we dismiss. So if you all would stand. And according to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Thanks for coming. Men, we'll see you Tuesday night. And youth, we'll see you Wednesday night.